Oh, and then it balances out when I step away. What? How stupid. Okay. <laughs> so, whatever was wrong worked itself out while I was trying to force it. Either way, stream is active. Hello, live nerds. <laughs> uh, we are in the off-season. This is a new setup, as you can see. And those of you listening in post or uh, otherwise just in post, thank you for listening and or watching. Um, but you missed out on all of the fun because you can't actively participate in today's episode. Though, you can still post comments and stuff if you're watching on YouTube. Um, so yeah, so off-season is a little different. Uh, we are not going to be doing gaming tonight, though future off-season episodes very potentially could. I just, I'm still, or obviously, rearranging where everything is and how things are working, so uh, just was not able to set that up tonight, and I have other plans for the rest of the evening as far as content goes. So look, for, look out for some reaction videos coming very soon. All of that being said, I don't think there is any other housekeeping to speak of, so let's jump in. Since it's kind of late, but... Uh, hello, Christopher! How are you? Uh, it is not going to be a long stream tonight, but uh, we are just going to be doing the news, so no gaming tonight. It's going to be pretty quick. Oh, don't, don't, don't apologize. Don't worry about it. Um... It's gonna be it's gonna be probably just an hour, so that's uh, it makes it eleven o'clock your time uh, roughly by the time we should be wrapping this up. So if that's too late, then I understand and I appreciate you swinging by either way. So thank you very much, bud. Um, but yeah, it is just gonna be a short show by comparison. <clears throat> Excuse me, I am just getting over being sick. You can probably hear it. So hi. <laughs> Let's get into reading some news. So we're going to start off things with the headline for the episode, and that is James Gunn versus Henry Cavill and The Rock. Um, so this happened. This has happened since uh, last week, I believe. The twenty second is when this article was posted. And yeah, I just we're just gonna dive into this because it's just it's just too good. Oh, cool! Thank you very much, Chris. All right, so uh, according to Cosmic Book, we have a uh, new co-head of the DCU, James Gunn, isn't afraid of tackling the so-called scoopers head-on. As Gunn responds to new rumors about the return of Henry Cavill as Superman. New rumor claims, and we've covered this in uh, the regular show before we went to the uh, before we hit the end of the season. Uh, new rumor claims that Henry Cavill's new contract includes Superman TV appearances, uh, but Gunn responded that might not be the case. Uh, there, where worth a mention is that he doesn't specifically say it isn't happening. He just claims no one knows the DCU plans except for him and co-head Peter Safran. Uh, quote, I am not sure if you're po uh, purposely lying or being taken advantage of by someone uh, lying to you, but as I've stated on here before, no one knows what's happening at DC Studios right now other than me and Peter. That would include writing up any new contracts for anyone at this point. All right, so this is the thing that I thought was really interesting about this uh these words that he very uh, specifically chose. Uh, so, 
any new contracts for anyone at this point. So the rumor came through that Cavill had signed a new contract before James Gunn and Peter Safran took over DC Studios. Uh, to go to created DC Studios, I guess is probably more appropriate. So that's also not only does he specifically not uh, shoot down the idea of Cavill showing up in TV stuff, but he also says very specifically that would include writing up any new contracts for anyone at this point. So new contract would imply since he and Peter took over at this point would imply from here forward. If the contract was already in place before he took over as the head of the studio, then he's not technically lying, but he's also obfuscating the truth. So very tricky there, Mr. Gunn. Uh, this is headed directly at uh, Mike. I can't remember his name. The geeky geekosity guy. Uh, additional rumors have claimed that Henry Cavill's new contract also includes Black Adam 2, Man of Steel 2, and Justice League 2. Uh, but according to Gunn's tweet, Henry might not even be signed on for a return. This is, I think this is a misinterpretation of what he's saying. I think uh, James Gunn is specifically trying to confuse so that the leakers and the people who are... Uh, trying to get this information out there unofficially will second guess themselves. I think, again, he very specifically said new contracts at this point. Um, recently saw the report which said the same, that Henry doesn't have a formal deal to return to Superman and Man of Steel, uh, and that Man of Steel 2 isn't officially confirmed. Yes, that's they haven't come out and said it, uh, because I'm sure in Cavill's contract it doesn't specifically say that it has to be man of steel one of the movies that he's doing uh it uh, though i'm sure it does say how many movies he's doing and whether or not there is an option for a tv appearance or a few tv appearances uh or so on and so forth uh so Port also mentioned James Gunn and Peter Safran will be revealing their DCU plans within the next two months, which is something Gunn confirmed. Uh, so the the leaker says to uh, James Gunn or says to the to the internet, I guess uh, the rap just reported that you and Sa oh no, this is directly to James Gunn. The rap just reported you and Safran are planning to reveal the new DC plans in the next two months. Is that true? Uh, to which James Gunn replied, yes, that is true, revealing it to the Warner Brothers Discovery team. Uh, which I'm kind of confused by that last little bit because is this tweet revealing the two months thing is legit? Or is, is it that in two months they will be revealing it to the Warner Brothers Discovery team? That seems a little vague. But uh, either way, we should know inside of two to three months, I would say. Assuming that the second uh, line of logic there is the one that we're going with. Should know within the next two to three months at least some sort of rough outline for James Gunn and Peter Safran's DCU. Uh, what I think happened, again, this is according to CosmicBook.News. What I think happened is that James Gunn and Pete Safran swooped in and surprised everyone when it was announced uh, they were taking over DC Films Universe and especially surprised Dwayne Johnson and his production team who were responsible for getting Henry Cavill back as Superman in Black Adam. So, as previously has been reported, 
now that Gunn and Saffron are in charge, everything DC has to be greenlit through them, which includes the return of Henry Cavill as Superman and additional Dwayne Johnson projects and Black Adam sequels. I think, again, this is a misinterpretation of that information because Johnson's contract already exists. Whatever was set in motion before James Gunn took over is still going to be in some form of motion. They're not going to fire Dwayne Johnson, especially they're not going to fire Dwayne Johnson when uh, there was pretty good returns on Black Adam, probably some of the best we've seen in a few years. So I I don't have those exact numbers right here in front of me, but uh, I mean, it's still, it's back up to number one in the theaters right now. So that says a lot. Uh, Gotten also loves voicing on Twitter. So yeah, look forward to Uh, hearing a lot more direct contradictions or confirmations from James Gunn in the future um, because that's just how he is want to do things. Um, And then the next piece that we were going to go into that deals with this, where did it go? I lost it. I lost it. There it is. Uh, So Dwayne Johnson defends Henry Cavill back as Superman. Black Adam back to number one. See, this is what I was talking about. So, Again, Cosmic Book uh, continues in this next article. In what is certainly no coincidence, Dwayne Johnson defends Henry Cavill back as Superman with the news that Black Adam is also back on top. Johnson posted a video on social media last Wednesday, which is only a day after the new co-head of the DCU, James Gunn, got snippy with so-called DC scoopers when Gunn went out of his way to remark, no one knows what's going on with DC other than... Yeah, that's the stuff that we already... Yeah, okay, gotcha. Up to speed. All right, so... Uh, with the news that Black Adam is the number one movie on iTunes as the flick got an early home release, uh, Dwayne Johnson talked up Henry Cavill as Superman. Quote, when I talked about the hierarchy of DC's, uh, of the DC universe has changed, changed from a few day, uh, ugh, words, I apologize, I can read, has changed, changed from a few ways. Number one, we established Black Adam around the world as the most powerful and dominant unstoppable force in the DC universe. That's a little masturbatory. He's definitely stroking his own ego with that one because it's definitely not true as far as the comic books are concerned. But, you know, that's never stopped Hollywood types in the past. Uh, That is a fact. Continuing with the quote. And we established the Justice Justice Society around the world, too. And keep in mind, if you were not a hardcore comic book fan, no one heard of Black Adam or the Justice Society. That's not true. (laughs) Justice Society, yes, I will definitely give to uh, The Rock that Justice Society is a lot more well-known in normie circles now because of his movie. Absolutely. But Black Adam... I feel like there were a fair amount of normie types, or at least non-comic booky types who knew who Black Adam was because of the popularity of Shazam and also because of the popularity of NetherRealm Studios. Black Adam has been a character in the last two, uh, uh, the, the, oh, wow, I'm just brain farting all over the place tonight. Um, the last two DC, uh, uh, comic book games from NetherRealm, uh, I'm, I apologize, I, you can take my Mortal Kombat nerd card because I just totally brain farted the name of that game series. Okay, um, the hardcore comic book fans, we got our, we got your love, yes, thank you, Injustice, whew, (laughs) that, that kind of hurt me mentally, okay, so, 
Continuing with the, the Rock's quote, he says, The hardcore comic book fans, we got your love, we got your loyalty, and I appreciate that to the bone. See, this is something that I think is something that we get a lot of lip service at uh, with some of the Hollywood types. I think The Rock is splitting the difference a little bit because I don't think he appreciates that as much because if he did, I, the Black Adam movie would have been a bit different. There is a fair amount in there that it was like, oh, what? Uh, that is unlike any other version of that character that I have ever seen. So there is that. Um, and so he continues, the rest of the world had no idea who Black Adam was. So we are establishing the brand. You are establishing a new Black Adam brand. You are not establishing the same. It's similar. I'll give it that. But it is definitely not the same. Uh, continuing, something else that we are establishing two things if we're going to establish black adam as the most powerful unstoppable force in the dc universe we have to bring back the most powerful unstoppable force of all time in any universe uh and you guys know who i'm talking about of course that is superman and that's henry cavill uh this is something that he has been a champion of for a long time he and cavill have the same management uh he and cavill are buds uh from what little we have seen from behind the scenes i think there's even like uh uh workout pictures of them together just d d uh, doing ridiculous things in the gym and taking non-steroids uh at the end of the day the studio is not bringing henry cavill back inexplicably and inexcusably but we aren't going to take no for an answer. Wait, I'm going to reread that because I don't think that made a whole lot of sense. At the end of the day, the studio was not bringing Henry Cavill back. Oh, the, so he's he's talking about before him. Okay, so was not bringing Henry Cavill. At the end of the day, the studio was not bringing Henry Cavill back inexplicably and inexcusably. But we weren't going to take no for an answer. Myself, my seven bucks co-founder and chairwoman Danny Garcia, that uh, Hiram Garcia, and our seven bucks president. Uh, this has been years in the making regarding bringing Henry back, uh, and years of strategic conversations. And we were not going to take no for an answer. He said. Do, 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 do. Continuing on, Johnson also continued that Henry Cavill is the greatest Superman ever and also said that there is no other Superman they're going to use. So, again, this is reiterating what I was saying in that Johnson's contract definitely precedes James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over DC. Uh, it is presumed that so does this new Henry Cavill contract. So what James Gunn said is confusing on purpose, but he's also exerting his power. He's trying to show dominance, even though technically in this situation, his hands are kind of tied, legally speaking. So I understand why they're doing it, but it's just you need to understand why it's confusing. Um... Johnson also continued, uh, we just read that. And also, something else to think about for us, there was no way, there's no viable, logical way that you can attempt to build the DC Universe without the most powerful force and the greatest superhero of all time sitting on the sidelines. Well, uh, maybe that was supposed to be with the most powerful force, greatest superhero, it's impossible to do. Uh, you can even Venn diagram business-wise this whole thing 90 different times, but it all comes back to where is Superman. That is 100% correct, and I think 
Uh, Johnson it can't be the only person who knows that, but he's definitely the only person who's saying that publicly, and I think that's very smart. Uh, you have to have Superman in the mix. This is 100% true. You also have, ba- have to have Batman in the mix, and it sounds like right now we might have two of those, so that's okay. Uh, Johnson added, so again, bringing back Henry Cavill, now we build out the DC Universe properly, strategically, smartly. Again, the hierarchy of power in the DC Universe has changed, said Johnson. Johnson. And of course, we have new leadership at DC Warner Brothers. Again, the hierarchy of power in the DC Universe has changed. See, and this is, it's, I got a message from my dad. Why does he keep saying it like that? That's confusing. That's, I will get, nobody accused Dwayne Johnson of being a uh, critical linguist. <laughs> uh, he is not exactly the most eloquent person. He is fairly eloquent considering his non-eloquent roots. But uh, yeah, still kind of a lot of word salad here. He's, he's confusing his metaphors with the hierarchy of power that is DC Studios and the hierarchy of power inside of the uh, fictional DC universe. Like he's using those two things kind of interchangeably in the statement and it's a little ridiculous. So I'm trying to interpret what he's saying. What I'm reading here is there, uh, we have new leadership at DC, Warner, uh, DC and Warner Brothers. Uh, so the hierarchy of power in the DC universe has changed. I think he meant to say hierarchy of power in the DC in DC studios has changed because you have Saffron and Gunn in charge, and the hierarchy of power that that might be just his the self pleasure, his stroking of ego stuff getting in the way as well because he can't. He can't admit that he's playing a character that is second fiddle, effectively, uh, and that's even putting it very generously to Henry Cavill Superman, because he's very much right in that you can't have a DC Universe without a Superman. Uh, Without Superman, not even just a variant of. It has to be Superman, just like it has to be Batman. Cannot be uh, one of the Bat family. It has to be Batman. Uh, They've learned that multiple, multiple times. They just relearned that lesson not too long ago in the comic books. So, yeah, definitely something that is very comical to me. Anyway, so that, I think there's actually one more piece on this. Uh, Where did it go? DC, this, that's related. We'll maybe touch on that next. But this right here, James Gunn making DCU plans. All right. So this is kind of a continuation of the gun side of things. Uh, Gunn has been active recently on social media. Another tease of Kingdom Come. He kind of has done this a number of times up to this point. Maybe this one's a little more direct. Let's let's check this out. Uh, Recently saw Gunn open a Hive social media account similar to Twitter where he used Kingdom Come as his Hive banner image and now Gunn tweets using the same pic. Okay. He's a. I'm. I, I'm fairly sure we already know he's a fan of the Kingdom Come comic, so that's not really news. Uh, Kingdom Come is a DC comic to Elseworlds. Blah blah blah. Per the official description, the story pits uh, likes Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman against Justice League. Peers against new upcoming uh, uncompromising generation of heroes. Blah 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 blah. Previous regime of heroes. Um, that's it. They're, they're just going off of the picture of a comic book that he is. A fan of. Okay, that makes sense. Whatever. Alright, so yeah, that is that is the James Gunn versus The Rock and Henry Cavill. 
Uh, the other thing that I... Oh, no, we're going to get to that one in a second. Well, let's go to this one next. We have a bit of Tim Burton bashing going on on the Twitters these days as well. Uh, if you have not watched Wednesday, I definitely recommend Wednesday on the Netflix. I did not expect to like Wednesday. Uh, like it as much as I did. I think the biggest reason I liked it is because they executed the character of Wednesday very well. Uh, the writing team somehow understood Wednesday better than any other character in this universe because there was a lot of issues that I had with some of the ancillary characters, but uh, Wednesday they, they pegged, and Jenna Ortega did a pretty good job as Wednesday as well. She definitely studied... Uh, uh, Oh, Lord. I'm, again, brain farting. It put me on camera and go live, and I just forget people's names. Um, Wednesday, the, the, the in the movies. Christina Ricci, good night. Thank you. I'm so grateful my girlfriend sits in with these <laughs> so that she can be my memory when mine farts out. So, yeah. So, uh, Jenna Ortega studied under Christina Ricci, or studied the Christina Ricci Wednesday videos uh, very well, because that is, that's how I, I, that I think is the most entertaining version of Wednesday, and she continued that same stuff. So, uh, this article is about the Wednesday show, and it, we're just going to jump into this, because it's ridiculous, and we'll break it down. So, uh, according to Screen Geek, the new Netflix series Wednesday is created by Alfred Goh and Miles Millar with filmmaker Tim Burton directing four of its eight episodes. Now, Tim Burton is facing backlash for what some viewers feel is a clear case of the R-word. Yeah, racism. Uh, in particular, users are disappointed that two of the black characters in the series happen to be depicted as bullies. Here's what some users are saying, and then they quote tweet a bunch of people who obviously did not watch past the first three episodes, or the first two episodes even, because... Alright, so we're uh, uh, somebody saying, I really wanted to like it, but I think it's unforgivable that all the black characters are either bullies or morally compromised. It is the Adams Family. Pretty much all the characters are morally compromised, so check yourself. Uh, and why is Wednesday hostile towards them? Probably because they're picking on her. That, you know, and she's hostile towards everybody. So again, remember what you're watching. WTF, what kind of ridiculous writing is this? Uh, anyone else bothered by that token black kids in Wednesday are basically king and queen bully? Uh, there's more than just two black kids in the show. Just saying. Uh, Wednesday on Netflix, I have a uh, question. Episode 1. See? Proof. Right there. They tweeted after just the first episode and, you know, didn't wait for uh, character development or story arc to come out of this. They were just like, everything in episode 1 is exactly how the entire season is, so it's garbage. Yeah, and, and they accuse uh, nerds of co uh, comic book origin to be gatekeepers and narrow-minded. Good lord. Uh, one, black girl is the bully of the school. Two, black boy at cafe, main bully, and father owns Pilgrim Land, the people responsible for slavery and genocide of Native Americans. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, learn your history. 
because, yeah, I mean, the slavery, they tried, but they failed because they got away too easy because they knew the... Uh, but also the genocide thing, uh, you probably know some native folks, so uh, maybe attempted genocide? I don't even know if that's an accurate statement. So yeah, learn your history. A. Uh, interestingly, another user made references to Tim Burton's use of a black villain in Miss Peregrine's Home of Peculiar Children. Yes, this one got him in some trouble. And rightfully so, I would say, because it's a very poor choice of words. Uh, oh, I forgot. Wednesday is directed by Tim Burton. He admitted to believing that black people don't, quote, fit his vision, unquote, or some stuff. He's known for making evil or unlikable characters black. He's admittedly racist. That explains a lot. Uh, this came up when he did Miss Peregrine, blah, 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 blah. Yes, he did say something along those lines. And poor choice of words. I, I, I honestly don't remember what he was trying to say with that. But yes, poor, poor choice of words. Maybe figure out a better way to, to word that there, boss. Um, and also maybe broaden your worldview. I don't know. Uh, so this specific uh, the, this specific character didn't actually exist in the source material. All right, so we're, now we're back to uh, talking about the... Um, the two black characters in Wednesday. So this specific character didn't exactly, it didn't actually exist in the source material that was adapted for the film. As such, users feel like Tim Burton has been creating black characters for the sole purpose of villainizing their race. Because again, apparently there's only black two black characters in the show. There's not, there's really not. There's a few more. There's only two that factor into the main plot and they both become good guys by the end and actually the, the the guy turns rather quickly and has a really interesting and compelling story arc because well one-dimensional characters are boring and nobody wants that uh, with that in mind however it's worth noting that he didn't actually write any of the episodes for Wednesday. Huh, weird, go figure. It's a whole group of people that are responsible for, for the production of a TV show and a movie and basically every other form of uh, entertainment you, you consume. So people are ridiculous. Uh, while he undoubtedly had a creative hand in the series, it seems the addition of black bullies likely came elsewhere. It's also worth mentioning that these black characters also developed throughout the season, with one of them even assisting to stop the main villain in the final episodes. This is very much w well worth noting because that is the point of storytelling, is to tell compelling stories with dynamic characters so that people want to come back for more. I was not a fan of the the the, the female bully that they're re referencing here. She was fairly one-dimensional for the first three or four episodes, so I can understand if you only watched the first half of the series, uh, why you would you know be upset about that. But I mean, if you liked everything else, then eventually you're going to get to the end and see the redemption arc. Like you're going to see how she becomes uh, vital to the story. So yeah. Furthermore. Wednesday has done an otherwise positive job of maintaining inclusivity. Uh, this includes emphasizing the Hispanic roots of Wednesday Adams and her family. Other users have felt similar and even provided defenses for Tim Burton amidst the backlash. Good. Good. That is absolutely wonderful. Because, you know, you, you, you learn from your mistakes. When you make a poor choice, uh, when you say something in poor taste as the uh, I don't see black people in my vision or whatever the hell that quote was um 
eventually you learn and, and move on. So, in addition to Jenna Ortega's titular character, the cast of Wednesday includes Gwendolyn Christie, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Luis Guzman, Isaac Ordonez, Ricky Lindum, uh, Jamie McShane, Fred Armisen, and Christina Ricci. Uh, I was highly, highly disappointed in both Catherine Zeta-Jones and Luis Guzman. I anticipated not liking Luis Guzman. I... I really do think he's a great comedic actor. I think the way they approached Gomez in this series was not Luis's fault, though he could have done something better with his acting choices and maybe salvaged the character, but there was not really anything there left to salvage after what the writers gave him. So uh, it was just kind of twofold on that. And then Catherine Zeta-Jones, there were moments of her Morticia that were almost what you wanted out of Morticia Adams, but uh, it's still overall rather disappointing with her performance. I fully expected to like what she was going to do with Morticia because uh, I, I feel like if you're going to make the Adamses overtly uh, Hispanic, then she's a great casting choice. Like, oh, that's right. I forgot that. She is, well, she is not Hispanic. <laughs> But she looks Hispanic, and I think that was what they were going for. <laughs> oh, my. And then Fred Armisen as uh, as Fester is surprisingly delightful. Like, he, I feel like, takes a fair amount of the comic book Fester and the original TV show Fester and even a little bit of Christopher Lloyd's Fester and kind of finds this really awesome middle ground for all of those elements. And yes, uh, the, 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 the surprise of the series was Fred Armisen as Fester. Um, yeah, you can currently watch it on Netflix. It is wonderful. That is what's going on with that. Uh, and then I need to find... Uh, Mr. Christopher Ortiz and I have actually been talking about this over the uh, interwebs for the last couple of days. So let's see if I can find a good um, link to this. Is that, yep, that's from a couple weeks ago. All right, so <laughs> we're going to go here. Oh, this is, this is this is along the same lines of the last one. So let's do this. John Leguizamo, Super Mario Brothers casting. We've talked about this once before when an, the cast was made uh, public initially. We're going to talk about this again because apparently it made its way back into the news back on the 15th of November uh, while we were taking uh, the two-week break. And uh, it, was, it was compelling enough uh, with uh, my conversation with young Christopher that I felt like we, we would take a couple minutes and talk about this. So, uh, the long and the, the short of it, I don't think I'm going to read this. Uh, although, I do think it's it's wonderful that IndieWire does take the opportunity to point out that Bob Hoskins played Mario in the uh, live-action Mario movie, which John Leguizamo played Luigi. Uh, and somehow that was okay, but when Chris Pratt plays Mario in the animated version, that's when it becomes an issue. Because Bob Hoskins isn't as white as Chris Pratt, maybe? I mean, he was a Brit, so... Uh, that's, that's, I don't know, that's... 
Six one way, half a dozen the next, I think. Um, so... <laughs> wow, OG, a lot of people love the original. The Comic-Con in New York and Baltimore, and everyone's like, No, 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 we love the old one. Who says they love the old- Alright, so this is a quote from John Leguizamo. Oh, because- Okay, so John Leguizamo is saying that... Uh, they're going backwards with the casting choices because you have Chris Pratt as Mario and Charlie Day as Luigi and uh, Jack Black as Bowser. Though I don't see the Bowser thing. Um, originally, let's let's go back to when this casting uh, decision was originally made and when he first voiced his very uninformed opinion. Uh, originally, he said none of the cast were of, uh, were Latinx. He even used the very offensive term Latinx because he really doesn't know who he represents anymore. Um, I love Leguizamo and that's why this story kind of really breaks my heart because like I got to interview the guy a couple years ago and like honestly was a kind of a bit of a hero of mine when I was in high school and stuff because his one man plays I thought were fantastic they were amazing i still it like whenever i can i still watch them so um yeah this is just this is just it kind of breaks my heart never meet your heroes i guess but yeah so he said that none of the cast when anya taylor joy is doing the voice of princess peach and anya taylor joy uh, her parents at least where her mom i believe it is is argentinian she's from argentina she speaks spanish fluently i believe it might even be her first language but don't quote me on that because that, that's probably wrong but uh she's she speaks it rather well um so notice that no longer is he saying the entire cast he's just saying mario and luigi because those are the only ones that he knows are not of Hispanic descent, probably. I mean, I haven't looked into Charlie Day, but I do know that Chris Pratt is like uh, Norwegian by descent or something like that, Swedish. Uh, some sort of very white. Um, so this is a quote after, this is a quote from uh, Leguizamo about the original movie. It said, I'm an OG. A lot of people loved the original. I did Comic-Con in New York in ba and in ba Baltimore. And everyone's like, no, no, we love the old one, the original. They're not feeling the new one, Leguizamo told IndieWire. I'm not bitter. It's unfortunate. I have literally not seen any co uh, corroboration with this statement. I have, ne matter of fact, when I interviewed him, the panel at that convention, I, I might even have it on tape, but don't quote me on that either, because that stuff gets lost fairly easy when it's that old, but uh, I, might, I might have it on video. I have the video file somewhere in storage. Um... But I'm pretty sure he acknowledges the fact that the only reason people have any sort of affinity for that movie is because of how bad it is. It is a steaming dumpster fire. It is absolutely atrocious. Uh... I never, so Chris, a quote from, from chat right here. Never heard anyone say they love the original. Uh, only time I heard someone say they love the original was because of how cringy it was. Exactly. That's my point. That's my point. The, the only reason anybody has any sort of affinity, the only reason anybody uh, looks back fondly at the original is because it was absolutely trash. Uh, go watch any of the video. There are many, many videos on YouTube about how 
poorly made that movie is and how it was really an adaptation of a different story that they then uh, the studio got the rights to the Mario Brothers uh, IP and so they slapped on a bunch of Mario names and did a couple of story tweaks to make it kind of sort of fit within the video game world only on a very very superficial level um oh man so yeah there is there is absolutely nothing about that original movie that anybody appreciates in any sort of real way maybe in an ironic way but not in a real way so for him to say that people love the original he's delusional <laughs> Like as I'm gonna recall, his turn is Luigi 93 Super Mario Bros. movie. The directors Annabelle Jankel, or Yonkel probably, and Rocky Morton fought really hard for me to be the lead. Oh, okay, so I, I misread. I heard this quote uh, through a third party, and I, I misunderstood what he was saying with this quote. That makes a little bit more sense. Uh, fought hard for him to be the lead uh, because I was a Latin man. Because uh, uh, New York Italian is the same as being from Italy, apparently. I mean, maybe some New York Italians might want to think that, but it's really not. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And honestly, the only people... The only people, aside from Mr. Leguizamo, the only people who see Italians as non-white are white supremacists. I have never heard... Any normal person who does not have any sort of white supremacy beliefs say that Italian folks are not white. Generally speaking, the perception of Italian people is that they fall into the Caucasian grouping of people. Maybe there might be some acknowledgement to the contrary, uh, but by and large, my understanding of the public perception is as such. So... Um, yeah, this is, this is really just John grasping at straws. I think, I legitimately think this is him grumpy that they didn't bring him back to do the voice for a cartoon of a role that he squandered. Well, he didn't squander it alone. He, there was, it was a team effort <laughs> back in 1993. Um... This is this is just a very transparent attempt to stay relevant, which is unwarranted because John Leguizamo, as again, I, I was talking with uh, Mr. Christopher Ortiz the other day. Uh, John Leguizamo is in two movies coming out right now. So uh, the first of which is The Menu came out last week. He is, uh, I believe he's just a secondary or tertiary character. I haven't watched it yet. I really want to, just haven't had the time. Um... But yeah, he is in that movie somewhere in the uh, cast. I, again, I'm not 100% sure if he's main or secondary or whatnot, but he is there. Uh, at least in one of the trailers, he even has a speaking role, which means he probably has a fair amount of screen time in that movie. And that's with Anya Taylor-Joy. <laughs> so he could have... He was filming that movie when the casting announcement was made I'm sure somewhere very close in the vicinity he started filming that movie after it was announced that she was going to be voicing that character and he still didn't know that she was Argentinian what is going on here um 
so yeah, so Anya Taylor Joy and a bunch of other people. It's it's kind of a big cast. It looks like a great movie, horror comedy, is how it's billed at least on HBO. Um, the Menu came out last week, and then next month he is the main villain opposite uh, in Violent Night, um, opposite the. Da, 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 da. I'm so horrible with names today. I apologize, nerds. Somebody take my nerd card. Uh, uh, he played the damn sheriff in Stranger Things. Good night. Um, I'm gonna wiki it because it's gonna drive me crazy. David Harbour. There we go. Goodness. Okay, so... He is in a movie with Anya Taylor-Joy, who is one of the biggest up-and-coming stars right now, and he's in a movie with David freaking Harbour, who is easily one of the biggest stars, adult stars anyway, of the Stranger Things franchise, which is the biggest thing since freaking sliced bread. So this desperate attempt at trying to stay relevant with perhaps with a younger audience, I don't know. I don't know why he is so desperate to be relevant to some unknown conversation, but there it is. The, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, it just... This boggles the mind why this is a thing, and uh, I, I, I love you, John, but please find another tree to bark out because a uh, bark up because this one is not going to put forth any fruit for you sir and also what is with this photo that they have for him like he looks stoned out of his mind or maybe drunk because he's kind of flush in the cheeks and the nose but wow those are some red damn eyes okay moving along with other news because i think we have beat this one oops into the ground Let's go back to Cosmic Book, and then we're going to go over and do some rumor stuff as well. Oh, hey, hey, let's continue some Henry Cavill stuff. Warner Brothers markets Henry Cavill Superman at CCXP. Uh, yeah. Good news for Henry Cavill returning as Superman as Warner Brothers. Discovery is marketing and promoting the actor at the CCXP 22. Promo, promo image on display at CCXP has been spotted and posted to social media, with which features Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Robert Pattinson as The Batman, Dwayne Johnson front and center as Black Adam, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, and Henry Cavill as Superman. Cavill recently returned as Superman Black Adam. We know this. Uh, Gal Gadot said to be back for The Flash and Wonder Woman 3. Robert Pattinson is supposed to return from Matt Reeves, Batman, Batman 2, Jason Momo, Aquaman 2, possibly Lobo in the works, uh, which would be weird, but if they're going to drop Aquaman, then that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, so it was shared between all the other actors, uh, something in development DC. Uh, that... Is that the picture? That's pretty poor. Um, while the new co-head, blah, 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 I think that, that just kind of rehash... Yeah, just rehashing everything else we already just read. So, very interesting. It's kind of a uh, tale to what we were talking about a minute ago. Uh, new details about the Acolyte. Let's talk Star Wars, nerds. Let's talk Star... I still, 100% uh, the transparency, have not watched um, the last series. The... the, the God, I... I it's, this is what happened when I take two weeks off. My brain just turns to mush and I don't remember words. Um, not the acolyte. What is the name of the other? Come on, come on, brain, huh? Andor, yes, Andor. Thank you. 
When I'm not deep in it, I, I just forget all of the words. That's what happens with ADHD. Here's, and, and the more you know, here's your, 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 uh, your after-school special moment, children. Uh, ADHD sucks. Um, Daphne Keene reveals a key plot element for upcoming Star Wars series coming to the Disney Plus streaming service, The Acolyte. While the official synopsis states the series follows a former Padawan who reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, Keene reveals what is really going on is that it's about the Sith infiltrating the Jedi Order. That's kind of key. Uh... Quote, I can tease that it's a prequel, she joked to Tech Radar at first. No, I mean, as you know, it's set uh, 100 years before the prequel movies, and it's kind of an explanation of how the Sith infiltrated the Jedi. It's a Sith-led story, which has never been done before, which I find incredibly intriguing, and I'm super excited about it. Um, especially if the rumors that I've heard about Andor being pretty good are true. Uh, Keen added, it is really, uh, it's been really fun to film. The cast is amazing, and the director and crew are just lovely. The whole experience is wonderful, and I'm already excited to, for people to see it. I should hope so if they're done. I would imagine they're done, and it's just finishing, right? Because it comes out, like, next month. Uh, synopsis offers the Acolyte as mystery thriller, thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic, where former Padawan unites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes with the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. I mean, that's not really... Her confirming, I guess, that it's Sith-led is not necessarily new if you have read the synopsis that we just read. That seems pretty cut and dry that there's going to be a lot of Sith stuff in there. Uh, description also adds, The High Republic saw the Jedi Order at its prime centuries prior to the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Since the series is now filming... Oh, that's what it is. Uh, likely to be released later in 2023. That's... that that Again, two weeks out and my brain just forgets everything. Uh, in addition, Daphne Keene, the cast includes uh, Amandla... Stenberg from The Hate You Give, which I've never seen. Uh, Emmy Award winner Lee Jung-jai from Squid Game. Uh, Manny just, uh, Yacinto, I would imagine is how that's pronounced. Nine Perfect Strangers. Jody Turner-Smith from Queen and Slim. Rebecca Henderson, Inventing Anna. Charlie Barnett from Russian Doll. Dean Charles Chapman, 1917. And Carrie-Anne Moss. Oh, cool. I forgot that she was on that cast. Not gonna lie. Uh, Leslie Headland from Russian Doll is the creator, showrunner, and executive producer. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I can dig that. <laughs> and apparently that was not a typo. That is really how her name is spelled. Okay. Good to know. Um, Dread 2 said to be happening. Alright, so rumors. Oh no, let's go to the Willow thing first and then we'll cut into rumors. <laughs> Watch you have a category six brain fart in the middle of the episode you're gonna film in John on his thoughts about Pratt being the voice of Mario. I'm that anno I'm that annoyed about what he said that I have so many things to say. Good, good, make a good video, dude. Uh, also, I guess I want to tack tack on to the Leguizamo thing. I also don't think Chris Pratt was a great uh, casting choice, but. The original, uh, Martinet, uh, Mark Martinet, I think his name is his name. I know his last name is Martinet, uh, Martinet, maybe. Uh, I think he was the only 
perfect choice for the voice of Mario because he's still alive. He's still actively in the industry. There's no reason why they needed somebody else because he already does the voice of the largest, uh, most iconic video game character of all time, which is arguably far more star power than Chris Pratt could ever have. So... I think they did a giant disservice by not casting him, but also he's another white guy. So once again, Leguizamo's point just doesn't make sense because the the definitive voice, the voice that everybody associates with that character comes from a white guy. A French white guy, I mean, I'm French by name because the, the spelling of that name is, uh, like I said, it could be Martinet the way it's spelled. Um, so yeah. Oh, just, the, there's so much silly going on there. Though, the new trailer looks pretty solid. I, I think I will be able to get over the the Chris Pratt voice because it's barely Mario. Like, he's definitely got a couple of Mario tags in that trailer, but it's still Chris Pratt trying to be Mario, not a Mario voice. That's just, that's, that's, that's never not going to be Chris Pratt doing that voice. I will never be able to hear anything other than Chris Pratt. Anyway. Uh, continuing on, we're going we're going to Willow, baby. We're going to Willow. So, Rotten Tomato scores are now available, which offer the Disney Plus series doesn't do the original movie justice. Damn it. <laughs> that sucks so hard. I love the original Willow movie. It was one of the movies uh, in my childhood that I watched a few dozen times, probably a month. <laughs> uh, that, that movie, there are sections of that movie that will be ingrained in my head forever. Just that is that is the way it is. I love that movie. Uh, it's another day, and it's another day where fans aren't happy about a Disney Plus series. Go figure. And this time, it's Lucasfilm's Willow series. The first two episodes are now streaming on Disney Plus, but according to an early to early fan reactions, it's not all that good. The Willow Rotten Tomato scores are now available, where the critics seem to think it's okay, as the show's currently at eighty three percent critic score, but the fans aren't liking it. Uh, they're seeing. Uh, what they are seeing at all as the audience score is a meager 58%. Uh, update as of... When's the update? Doesn't say when the update came in. But as of now, I would presume, 43% on the fan score, audience score. For a comparison, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, the scores are flipped for the cult classic 88 movie as the critic score is at 53%, while the audience score is at 79%. While I have yet to watch the episodes myself... Likewise, uh, Polygon points out the big surprise of Disney's Willow show, queer romance is front and center. Huh, go figure. Modern Disney putting gay stuff in there? Decision creator Jonathan Kasdan says was, quote, just organic, unquote, to creating the sequel. I don't know about that. Uh, recently saw Disney's LGBTQ Strange World uh, animated movie bomb at the box office, which also wasn't marketed as featuring LGBTQ representation. Huh, weird. Uh, regarding what the fans have to say about the Willow Disney Plus series, the comments on Rotten Tomatoes offer the series doesn't feel like Willow. Yeah, no kidding. If they're putting stuff like that as the focus, the focus is sorcery and magic and darkness and fighting evil. So, like, any gay stuff... I, while sure it can be there like it's just if it's the point if relationships are the point when we're supposed to be fighting evil I feel like you've missed the mark by a lot uh, one says this is like a modern sitcom not medieval fantasy thank you good lord does does not feel like Willow 
Uh, next one. Lost its charm. Not sure about the teen drama slash sitcom screenplay angle. Who is the target audience again? Mar modernized dialogue is always a terrible idea for fantasy shows. See if it can last the season. Only one episode in, but so far, feels like a cheesy medieval time series. Oh, God, that so sucks. Uh, then throw in Rainbow Unicorn Princess and a bunch of other very cliche, poorly written characters slash dialogue. Maybe it will get better. However, if this is what you put out in the premiere episode, chances aren't great. Yeah. It's a completely unwatchable. Lasted about 15 minutes. But husband, a big fan of the original as a kid, insisted we keep trying. 20 minutes was enough even for him. Oh, God, no. This show is another great example of not a single character being a fun and good person that you want to hang out with. The two main girls are insh are insurable, not Galadriel level, but darn insurable? I don't know what they meant by that. Uh, not Galadriel level, but darn close. The scene where she is at a call to meet her appropriately Weasley new husband and has a tantrum is one of the worst scenes I have sat through in a long time, and there have been some shockingly bad moments in TV and film this year. <laughs> That's true. This show is absolute drivel. What a pathetic waste of the IP. Get ready, get set, terrible. Uh, next one, quick, uh, pretty poor. I was excited to check this out as a fan of the original film. Films? What? There's only one film, thank you. Devoid of any real magic, sadly. Ah... But that was the whole point of the original one, was Willow trying to, to, to harness magic that he shouldn't have been able to harness, and it was a whole thing. Uh, the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes offer similar sentiments as the fans. Willow is a prime example of the potential heartbreak of reviving IP. Disney has enough data to see that their Lucasfilm property has enough fans to warrant a revival, but not enough creativity to understand why. Oh, Lord. Goose Hush. I got a- I got a grumpy little puppy over here, apparently. <clears throat> uh, Phil, the company was going for someone who can do more of an Italian, really more with a Brooklyn accent. Yeah, I don't think that's what Pratt's gonna do. It doesn't sound like that's what he's doing at all. It sounds like he's just doing his regular voice with a slight inflection inspired by the video game that only comes in when he does the taglines from the video game. So, like, if you listen to the, uh, wahoo, that kind of sounds like he was trying to do the video game voice. And, uh, there's, um, the, the let's-a-go, uh, was really just Pratt saying... Let's a go. Like trying to sound exasperated, but still just Chris Pratt's voice. There was no accent. There was no New York in that. It was just Chris Pratt. So I don't know. I I, I think you might be right with that what they were aiming for and why they didn't go with Martinet. But I, I think they missed that mark by casting Chris Pratt. Because Chris Pratt is not a New York guy. He's from, like, Ohio or Nebraska or something. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm off with that, but it's not New York. Either way, he's not from, he's not from where you're from, buddy. Uh, so they could have they made uh, probably a, another dozen casting choices that would have made more sense to Chris Pratt. Also... Love Chris Pratt. I think he's hilarious. I think he's great as uh, uh, the the lead in the 
<laughs> oh, brain farts. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think he's good in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think uh, his uh, Tomorrow War movie was surprisingly better than I was expecting. I was expecting to be mediocre science fiction action, and it was pretty decent science fiction action. It wasn't great, but it was good. Um, I, I very rarely dislike something that Chris Pratt is in. <laughs> I'm not going to dislike this Mario movie, I don't think. I'm just probably going to dislike his performance in the Mario movie. Anyway, continuing on with this. <clears throat> uh, the next quote from Playlist is, An underdeveloped legacy sequel that somehow stretches the source material to its breaking point. Even the professional reviewers are ripping this apart a little bit. While never reaching the same heights of good old-fashioned fun that fantasy epics should have at its heart. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, and Rolling's oh, Rolling Stone even doesn't like it. A show that can't decide exactly what it wants to be, nor who its intended audience is. Goodness, that was ah, I was so excited about that series, man. I love Willow. All right, now let's read some. Let's get into some uh, rumors, shall we? <laughs> Dread 2, star starring Carl Urban, said to be happening impossible shared universe. Rumors offer the actor might be finally returning to the role, which kicked off back in 2012. Very interesting. Uh, it's said that Dread 2 is back in development, starring Carl Urban in the titular role. So this, for a hot second, was going to be a um, series called Mega City, because that's the name of the city... Uh, that take that it takes place in in the comic books. So this was going to be a series called Mega City that was not going to um, focus on Judge Dredd, though Judge Dredd was going to be in it, and it was supposed and Carl Urban was down to play that role. So interesting that this has developed into something else again, back into a movie. I would imagine um, the info comes from Giant Freaking Robot, who says that the sequel is back in development. Which could mean Carl Urban could be starring in a new movie and quite possibly a TV series that has also been... Oh, okay, so the TV series is still in development. Mega City 1, I'm sorry, I was off by a little bit. Uh, recently, there's been talk of the Dread Mega City 1 TV series, so if an additional movie is also in development, that might seem sort of Dread-connected shared universes underway, all centered around the actor. That would be really awesome. Giant Freaking Robot has a mediocre at best uh, track record though with um, their rumors so don't put a whole lot of weight into this oh. alright um, 2012 blah 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 we know about the 2012 does Urban want to return to the role yes uh, he has said very explicitly that he would like to return to the role he would return to the role um Yes, it might have to do with Carl Urban's newfound stardom in the insanely popular Boys uh, Amazon series. Replace fan favorite character Billy Butcher. Boys is watched by millions and millions of viewers. Probably hope the audience is similar uh, to the Boys are, as the latter is also mature and targets fanboys. Could make its way to new Dread projects. Maybe Amazon uh, would be good. Would be a good home. Yes, I believe that is a. Uh, Urban has previously said that he would love to do this series, and recently in an interview with GQ said that he would want to return to the role and hinted at the potential villain. That's pretty cool. 
I, I vaguely remember that, actually. We talked about that on the channel. Certainly would be interested to revisit the character, he said. There's such a great depth of material there that was created by John Wagner and various writers over the years, particularly the stories revolving around Judge Death and a lot of great stories. To me, it doesn't matter, or it doesn't bother me if I get the opportunity to play Dread again or if it's someone else. I just want to see those stories. That's cool. Digging the art. All right, so, and then I, we don't care because that's all speculative. So let's go now over. We're going to do just a couple more stories. If I can find my notes. Good lord. Sorry, apparently they closed. Uh, okay, let's open recent. There we go. Come on, come on, cooperate. Oh, what the heck? There we go. Copy, paste. Get my mouse back, okay. Um, exclusives. I think that's what we're looking for. Oh, no. Oh, how did I miss this? Oh, because it just broke today? So, Neuromancer. Uh, all right, uh, all you cyberpunk aficionados. This is where it all began. Miles well, so I read for new Apple Plus sci-fi series. Apple is gearing up a new sci-fi series, Neuromancer, for its streaming service and wants Top Gun Maverick star Miles Teller to lead the project. Uh, this is sourced, I would imagine, exclusively from Illuminerity. Uh, Apple TV Plus is slowly becoming one of the most interesting streaming services on the market. While it doesn't have as much content as Netflix or Disney Plus, the streamer convinces high-quality series and films led by the biggest stars in Hollywood. Uh, it's believed, or it's beloved comedy series. Ted Lasso has secured multiple big Emmy wins over the last two seasons. An Apple TV Plus original film Coda became the first Best Picture Oscar winner by a streaming service. Apple is looking at a, another great year. The highly anticipated third season of Ted Lasso and Steven Spielberg produced Masters of the Air limited series are both set to hit the streamer in 23. Also, the next season of the uh, Isaac Asimov Foundation series is coming soon as well. And season one, I still haven't finished because it's way too much stuff comes out all at once. But so far is pretty good. Not as book accurate as I would want, but pretty dang good. Um, Disney Plus focus uh, lies on Marvel Studios and Star Wars content, but it also looking to bring, it's also link, uh, but is, sorry, also looking to bring back an old property with its Escape to Witch Mountain TV series, which we exclusively revealed, blah, blah, blah. Um, there we go. More on Neuromancer. How about that? We at the Illuminati can exclusively reveal that Apple TV Plus is looking to adapt the acclaimed book trilogy. Oh, they're going to do the trilogy as a long-form TV series. They're going to do the whole Sprawl trilogy for real? That is 
awesome. The book is considered one of the earliest and best-known works in the cyberpunk genre. In a set in a futuristic Japan, the show will follow the hacker Case, who will after who after breaking out of prison agrees to do one last job that brings him in contact with a forceful AI, two forceful AIs to be very specific that want to become one forceful AI, if you will. Uh, Teller is best known for the box office smash hit. Oh, here we go. The streamer has offered up Top Gun Maverick star Miles Teller the lead role of Case, a hacker, hacker anti-hero, and drug addict. They call him a, a console cowboy in the books. Did I just... Oh, I did discuss James Gunn, bud. So, the James Gunn thing, to give you the, the uh, quick recap, James Gunn uh, is saying... Uh, I'll, I'll just go right to the, to the thing, just to make it a little bit easier on me. Just I'll give you the rundown because you asked so nicely. Because it's very specific, and I, and, I, and I feel like people are misinterpreting what is going on with this. So, if you go to the James Gunn tweet, and I'm, we're rehashing for, for everyone who's joining late, because this was the, the headline for today's episode. Started the episode with it, boss. Um, okay, so, James Gunn says, I'm not sure if you're purposely lying or being taken advantage of by someone lying to you, but as I've stated on here before, no one knows what's happening at DC Studios right now other than me and Peter. That would include writing up any new contracts for anyone at this point. So, new contracts would imply anything that wasn't already in existence before Gunn and Safran took over DC Studios. So, The Rock's contract and presumably Henry Cavill's contract both predate James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over DC Studios. So, he's being purposefully deceptive here, trying to make it look like he has more power in this situation than he actually does, because he is the be-all, end-all at DC these days. So he does have a lot of power, he just is has his hands tied with this situation, wants to make it look like it's his decision to bring back Henry Cavill when technically it was somebody else's. I, uh, I am right there with you. I do not like the Snyderverse. I think Zack Snyder should have just left it where it was at the steaming mess that it was because the, he's, when you start on a broken foundation, there is no redemption. The Man of Steel movie started on a very, very skewed and broken uh, foundation in that Pa Kent does not tell Superman to not save people whenever he can. Pa Kent tells Superman to understand that sometimes he can't save everyone, which is a very big difference, and therefore is why we have broody, sad boy Superman, and also why Henry Cavill did not like what he what uh, Snyder was doing with Superman. It was why he was okay with not coming back for Shazam because he wanted more money and didn't, they didn't want to give it to him. He's like, all right, I don't really care to come back and do this thing. So yeah, well, the tone of animation era '90s and 2000s for the new DCU. I think that's what James Gunn's gonna do. I think it's going to be more. Um, a little more modern than that, but it's still going to be very reminiscent of that. It's going to honor the source because Gunn does this 
fairly well. He is still super woke, so there's going to be a lot of uh, social politics involved. There's just no getting around that. But I think he is smart enough and well-versed enough in comic books to do the thing. And that is give the fans some sort of recognition of the source material and don't just completely disregard it uh, like they're doing over at Marvel, like they're doing at a lot of places, like they're doing at The Witcher these days, which is why Henry Cavill left The Witcher as well. So, yeah, agreed. I I think that is a fair stance to make. Um, All right, so... Now that we've rehashed the headline, let's get back to Neuromancer, because if I would have saw this, this would have been the damn headline. Holy shit, this has me super excited. Uh, Because I don't normally uh, do the curses that much when we're doing stream. So there you go. That's how excited I am. So Neuromancer, uh, they're doing the Sprawl trilogy. Uh, uh, Streamer has offered that... uh, uh, We just read that. Hacker, if he agrees, Apple's offer, the actor is looking at a one-season deal. Yes, because the first book, the Neuromancer book, is... uh, just the, 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 that cast of characters only exists in that book. The trilogy is, uh, I think there's something like 10 or so years between each book. And by the last book, only one character exists. And that's because he has digitized himself to exist still. It might even be like 30 years between books. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read all three. I've reread Neuromancer plenty of times, just not the other two books. We were to do a Superman. I want Golden Age and '40s cartoon design on this, but one can. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to do uh, probably something with the underwear on the outside again. That's reminiscent of that, but it'll be some sort of combination of the uh, Golden Age Superman costume and probably what we got in Black Adam. So. <clears throat> anyway, Neuromancer Teller is best known. We already know what Miles Teller has done. Neuromancer wants more. Neuromancer is additionally currently casting female lead Molly, who is a cyber ninja. Uh, they're looking for an actress in her 30s or 40s, which would make sense, who is physically fit. Molly is a mercenary who was recruited by the same person as Case. Character is supposed to resemble Trinity from the Matrix. <laughs> resemble Trinity from the... No. Trinity from the Matrix resembles Molly from Neuromancer. That's one of the things that uh, William Gibson means when he says, Ah, yes, the Matrix. The check I still have not been able to cash. Um, so yeah, from the Matrix films, (laughs) that's so backwards, uh, intended that Molly can carry over as the lead for potential season two and season three, that, that's not how the books go, so I really hope that's not accurate. Uh, lastly, Neuromancer is casting Linda Lee, Case's love interest. What? Looking for an actress in her 20s and 30s for a recurring role? No, the love, Case's love interest in the book is Molly. And that's even super generous of a statement. There is no love story in Neuromancer. The story is about a deceptive AI trying to join with its sibling AI, if you will. That's ridiculous, and I don't like it. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't make me happy at all. The, all right, so I, because we're going to be talking about this, because I just want to nerd out for a second, we are doing this on screen, baby. We are going to go... I'm going to go show you Neuromancer. There we go. 1984 science fiction novel. So the, the Sprawl trilogy, because I can't remember... Yeah, right there. Series. Sprawl trilogy. Um, is Neuromancer... Count Zero and Mona Lisa Overdrive. I always uh, think that All Tomorrow's Party is part of that, but I don't. I, 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 
I'm always wrong. Fair, just no Hall of Justice. Give me Watchtower adults. No reminder that senior citizens that know nothing about DC remember Hall of Justice because Super Friends. Yes, uh, I agree. I think I I don't know about the Legion of Doom. I do think that uh, that we'll see Watchtower and not Hall of Justice because that's what's current um, in the comic books, and that is something that I think um, James Gunn is more likely to. Uh, to lean towards. I don't think that the Hall of Justice will go very far, especially with uh, uh, because he's fairly tapped into what fans want. Um, I think Legion of Doom is very likely to make an occurrence down the road if they get their way because Legion of Doom is still current. We still have in the Harley Quinn animated show, we still have Legion of Doom as a thing. Uh, it's still an active part of the comic book series. Uh, it is still very much a part of the comic book fabric that make up the DC universe. Uh, yeah, I think Legion of Doom is, is going to be a thing probably five to ten years down the road. Um, so, Neuromancer the the books are count uh, neuromancer count zero mona lisa overdrive so the uh novels are spaced 16 years see i was close uh 16 years between each uh book although there are familiar characters that appear each novel tells a self-contained story so you don't get case and molly in the next two books the only character that finds his way through all the books is uh the bartender why can't i remember his name um and it's not here in the, i bet it's in the the um wiki for the neuromancer book um, background, plot. Da, 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 da. Case of Molly still a rom. Armitage. Oh, come on. As punishment. Oh, Razor Girl, that's what. Not not Cyber Ninja, Razor Girl. That's what that's what they call her in the book. Um Yeah, it's not it doesn't appear to be in here either. Riviera? No, Riviera is the weird guy with the holograms. Oh, that was such a weird scene when I first read it. Either way, uh, this is... Oh, hey, here we go. Peter Riviera, Lady Jane, Hideo... The Finn, that's who it is. The Finn finds his way into all three story... Uh, all three books that are part of the Sprawl series, which has started with Neuromancer. So, if they're going to turn... Neuromancer into a trilogy that's weird because if they're not going to have Miles Teller into in all three series in all three seasons then they're going to be greatly deviating from the book or if the first season is going to be the first book and then they're going to somehow have Molly in the season two and season three then that's also a great deviation from the books because molly has nothing to do with the stories of the second and third books so just a little aggravating and not what i wanted to hear though i am highly intrigued because it is about damn time that something william gibson has done gets a proper live action adaptation johnny mnemonic was close but the director took him way too damn seriously uh so yeah i'm here's to hoping that this is not the same 
Uh, you do think James Gunn will, you know, swap the characters because wokeness just don't do it to the Trinity. It'll be okay. Yeah, I... <clears throat> so, I think that there will be some of the... No, I got you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think that there will be some of the uh, uh, racial swapping in um, DC Studios movies going forward. Yes, I think some of that is going to happen. I don't think it will be the the main trilogy. I don't think it's going to be Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman. I don't think... Uh, well, technically, it's already happened to Aquaman, but it kind of makes sense in the way they did it with Aquaman because... Momoa versus some dude who looks like he's Scottish, though the argument could be made. He lives underwater, so there would be no uh, pigment in his skin. But, you know, uh, either way, I can see how that makes sense. Um, I do think that there will be some of that with the more obscure characters, though we did see with uh, Peacemaker, he was pretty faithful to all of the obscure characters in Peacemaker. So maybe not. Maybe he's just going to find ways because Peacemaker was a super obscure character. Yeah, I, I, I am too. I, I, I can dig Momoa as Aquaman. But, so we saw Peacemaker, we saw what he's what he can do with an obscure character. And there are plenty of obscure characters who check all of those social justice boxes. So, very likely, what I think is the most viable option, what I think he's going to try and do at all costs, is instead of race-swapping somebody, he's going to find a character that checks whatever box he's trying to check, and then create a dynamic story around that. Find a team, at least, who can create a dynamic story around that character uh, we're going to see I, I can't even think of obscure DC characters right now because I'm only thinking Batman Superman Wonder Woman and Aquaman um, but yeah we're going to see we're gonna see probably multiple Green Lanterns that's a great example because we have multiple Green Lanterns that check all kinds of different boxes we have a game Green Lantern we have uh, a Middle Eastern Green Lantern we have a black Green Lantern we have uh, all kinds of different races from other worlds Green lanterns and then you can go through that's a whole that's a whole movie series unto itself the lantern core oh my god and then you get into the ultraviolet and the the um the infrared lanterns and it's it just becomes just want john stewart and wally west yes martian manhunter that i think i think he's going to do something amazing with martian john uh martian john jones martian manhunter i think john jones is going to be uh, uh something that normies don't expect because i think that character is a very viable dynamic character that isn't that hasn't been properly explored in a live action setting they got close with the supergirl stuff but that was still not as uh, uh, cathartic as it should have been. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that Jon Stewart, Wally West, and Martian Manhunter are all going to... Um are all going to see their screen time. I don't think it's going to be very soon. Um, maybe Wally West. Maybe we'll see some sort of hint of that because... I mean, they're going to recast Ezra Miller, so that's not going to be an issue anymore after the this first or uh, this next uh, Flash movie. But uh, I think John Stewart is probably super viable for our first taste of the new DC Studios Green Lantern storytelling style. 
Um, and then that will put, could potentially very well open us up to the vast array of lanterns and the lantern cores and just all of that crazy, awesome storytelling that you can do with a literal universe of characters in just that one corner of the DC universe. So yeah, I think I think that is a great way to check those boxes and also keep the fans happy because that's the thing that we're learning is that with movie with movies like maybe more accurately the first Black Panther movie, but still, uh, if you find characters that exist that do what you want them to as far as modern social politics, but also you can stay true to their comic book origins, you're going to please both parties. Nobody's going to be nobody's going to do 100% all the time for everybody. It's impossible. But you're going to have a larger success rate if you do it that way. Question is what they'll do with animation and games. I'm very curious about. Because it's supposed to be connected. I don't think games are supposed to be connected. I do I do know animation is supposed to be connected because uh, animation falls under um, James Gunn and Peter Safran's uh, scope they're they're giving them the ability to control the 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 animation studios um but i don't think games were part of that i think comics and games are still a thing unto themselves um i could be wrong but i because the, the only reason i i feel like that is because um there hasn't been a whole lot as far as the injustice side of things and i'm fairly well i keep fairly fairly good tabs on that side because mortal Kombat connection um, so we haven't heard anything from Ed Boon talking about any sort of connection as far as that. Um, though we haven't heard Ed Boon talk about anything in those regards since the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. So that is, I guess it's still possible. I just don't remember that being part of the press release. Uh, press release very explicitly said, to my recollection, and I could be wrong, very explicitly said that, uh, James Gunn is going to be in charge of live action, television, and animation. So those three things, yes, I think he's going to try and tell a, a singular universal story. Yes, I think that is accurate. But I don't think gaming is a part of that. And I know comic book is, is not a part of that. So that's where that is. Oh, and I bumped the microphone. I apologize. <clears throat> um, all right, let's do one more rumor. And then I think we are done on stream. I thought there was one more that... I Penguin, we've talked about Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Working title revealed. Oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm full of shit. Mountain TV series, yeah. And Dasad and Steppenwolf, just like yeah, close to animated series. Won't get me wrong; there were cool designs, and the, they were. They looked great, but the writing was garbage. And and you have no movie if you don't have good writing. Like that's just that is the way that is. Um, hot garbage. Oh my god, the his. I'm so glad we did not get Zack Snyder's Batman movie because Batman versus Superman pissed me off. Like in the theaters, I. I was I raged on my way out the theater because I was so grumpy about what they did to Batman. Oh, that was that uh, was hot garbage, so fucking bad. Oh, pardon my f bomb. 
Um, I really thought there was another rumor that I that I saw while I was doing uh, pre-show stuff. Pictures, uh, exits, Warner Bros. Discovery, instance of shopping. Oh! Alright, so we're gonna not do... We're gonna do two more pieces, two more regular news pieces, and I think we're gonna call it, because these are both intriguing enough to go out on. So, yeah, the Snyderverse writing was terrible. Uh, Alright, so let's do this Legendary Pictures bit first, because that seems like it'll go a little bit quicker. And then we'll go out on the, that 90s show. So Legendary, uh, previously Legendary Pictures was part of Warner Brothers Pictures. They had distribution, I believe, through Warner Brothers. Uh, but according to Illuminarity, Legendary Pictures leaving Warner Brothers again. Legendary Pictures announced this week that the media company has entered into new multi-year worldwide theatrical film distribution partnership with none other than Sony Pictures. So where were the movies once they go to streaming get released. I wonder if they're going to cover that. On a new deal, uh, Sony Pictures will market and distribute upcoming legendary theatrical motion picture titles. However, the media company's distribution agreement with Warner Brothers Pictures will continue on select titles such as Dune and Godzilla film franchises. Really interesting. Probably because those contracts already existed. Um, Dune Part 2 and officially green... Yeah, we already know that. Legendary previously left Warner Brothers once before, striking a distribution and co-financing deal with Universal Pictures that kicked off in 2014. The relationship didn't last long. Legendary returned to Warner Brothers back in 2019 after Legendary founder Thomas Toole left the studio in 2017. According to the announcement, Sony and Legendary are aligned in an ongoing effort for theatrical distribution as the driver for the downstream windows and theatrical windows long-term value films additionally sony plans to market and distribute legendary theatrical releases worldwide excluding china <laughs> of course uh, where legendary east plans on handling its marketing and distribution activities compared to what we got in the show there's youtube clip comparing Dasad criticizing dark side from snyder cut and, and animated show animated version show how merciless he is while snyder cut stinks yeah <laughs> um i i the the snyder cut was i just <laughs> so when Zack snyder i i'm pretty sure we said this on the main show when the snyder cut launched uh when Zack snyder got the go-ahead from Warner Brothers to recut his movie uh, so that we got that three hour plus ordeal. <clears throat> um, it was he was trying to make up for the fact that he lost the deal to make the Justice League a five movie story arc. So he wanted to do five movies to begin with, which is why there was so much stuff that they filmed. So, right off the bat, we have way too much ground to cover in a single movie, so that kind of puts you at, at, at odds with your uh, audience. And then, <laughs> we have <clears throat> we have the fact that we don't, like, again, you're starting from a broken foundation. Polishing a turd, while possible, still leaves you with shit all over your hands. It's it was just a mess. It was so bad. <laughs> so yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I enjoy it for what it was, but it made no sense uh, of a story. Yeah, it was. It was agreeable. It is agreeable that it was better than the Joss Whedon cut because the Joss Whedon cut was one of the worst comic book movies that was trying to take itself seriously ever. 
Um, I just, yeah. Again, polishing a turd and whatnot. I, that's about as eloquently as I could put that. Um, so yeah, Legendary is now... Legendary did the Pokemon... Oh, I didn't remember that. No kidding. Meantime, this doesn't mean Legendary's Dune Part 2 is changing studio distributors. Warner Brothers Pictures will still release a sequel because they already have the um, contracts in place. So, yeah. Legendary is now part of Sony. That's cool. Now, the other one that I wanted to touch on, and then we will be ending the stream, is that 90s show. We've been keeping kind of sort of tabs on this uh, because that 70s show was such a major uh, part of so many people's late teens, early 20s. Uh, yeah, so fans of the classic sitcom That 70s Show are in for a treat. show is set to continue later next year with a direct sequel and continuation, That 90s Show. The show finally hits Netflix in January, and the streamer has just dropped the official teaser trailer for the upcoming series. Uh, as previous viewers of the stream will remember, we do not do reactions live in stream because it's too easy for YouTube to strike us down, and I don't want that for a live show. Uh, so I might add this to my list of reaction videos that I plan on doing, hopefully, maybe not tonight now, um, but uh, they'll be up soon. Uh, so, Red and Kitty back are in the teaser for that 90s show. I'm really hopeful that they do this some justice. Um, enjoy Joss' version for the tone mostly, but the writing not the best. Yeah, it was nice to have a Justice League movie, but <clears throat> that's about as deep as that goes. The, the Joss version, the tonal change... Uh, I don't know, was kind of a mixed bag because some of it was like, yeah, it's a comic book movie, so there needs to be some sort of light side, but when you have the entirety of the Snyderverse leading into that, it seems super out of place. So, in some respects, sure, I can see why the Joss version would be preferred for tone, but I, it's it's such a mixed bag. Neither version should exist. It's cool that eventually we did get a Justice League movie because, you know, some of the oldest comic book characters still in existence are DC characters. Some of the most iconic and easily uh, recognizable characters are DC characters, specifically Batman and Superman. So, yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I think that's fair, but yeah. That was out of place. Yep, that's yeah, hundred percent. Enjoy, uh, hundred percent agree. Um, story: the story for the '90s show picks back up in 1995, introducing Leah Foreman, the daughter of now married Eric and Donna. Leah is visiting her grandparents for the summer, and she bonds with the new generation of Point Place, Wisconsin kids under the eye of Kitty and the stern glare of Red. However, the allure of sex, drugs, and rock and roll never dies; it just changes clothes. The decade of the '70s has passed, and now it's time for the '90s. I feel like I was say, reading that like they do on Toy Galaxy. Uh, based on the trailer, the new series appears Leah is playing a similar role as Eric. So, her, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I think that's really stuff we already know. But cool, there's a trailer. So anyone who was a fan of that 70s show didn't know that 90s show was happening. We now know that 90s show is happening. So, rock and roll. I'm super excited about it. That's what we've got for the stream. Let's finish up with this chat. 
curious about this reboot. Oh yeah, it looks really cool. I th I think that they learned their lesson with that 80s show. I think that they saw what worked with that 70s show because it's been in syndication for so long and nobody wants to syndicate the final season <laughs> because nobody watches the final season. Um, this is a show that modern era, this generation should hop on. I, if they do it justice, like go watch, um, V Infuso has a couple of videos about, that's actually how I learned that the, 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 um, reboot was happening was because V Infuso, uh, he's a big 70s show fan. And so he has some pretty eloquent expectations for the show. He has high expectations and he has high hopes as well. And I totally uh, agree with with his sentiments that they have a potential gold mine on their hands because that 70s show still does crazy good numbers in syndication that is unfreaking heard of in a lot of ways it's not it's not friends numbers it's not seinfeld numbers but damn it's close and very few things from that era of television do that good. You have uh, How I Met Your Mother and Big Bang Theory kind of in that same realm. There's not much else. So the fact that Netflix has the rights to this, maybe they can start to earn some redemption points and, and do something good by the fans of an existing IP instead of just drowning it in garbage like they tend to do when they reboot IPs from other uh, creators. I, I think I think V, again, V has a little bit more information. If I remember correctly, uh, there is a fair amount, if not uh, some key players from the original creative team also being brought in for uh, the that 90s show. So that's pretty exciting. Hi for Wednesday, but it was... Shot like a trailer and got bored first 20 minutes, turned it off, and then found out what they did to her character. Uh, I actually, uh, that's that's the other thing that you missed. That was, I think, the second or third uh, article that we went through was the this Wednesday thing. I think that the series as a whole was kind of mid-tier. Um, I think that the way they portrayed the character of Wednesday was not bad. Uh, it it's not the greatest. I mean, there's definitely room for improvement, but I can see why they would justify a second season. It seems to be getting a fair amount of love. I uh, I think that that is the only character in this universe that they got mostly right. Um, and I think they did a fair job with her character, and it was strangely compelling. Like, I, I definitely, end of the first episode, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, but by about episode three, I was like, all right, I can see what this is i don't like what they've done with the rest of the family save for fester i think fester was pretty cool um which i was not expecting at all i did not expect to like fester but again i repeat myself so uh jenna did great but the writing of this yeah no the, the, the team behind her character because it wasn't just jenna ortega there was more to that character than just the actor yes she had some pretty cool choices as an actor that they let her take but there's more to that than just her um i think she's the only element of that series they got pretty damn close everything else needs a lot of work Except for Fester, if you can do if you can do a Wednesday and Fester series and just have those two characters being fish out of water for a season, 
I think that would be really strangely compelling as well, but I don't think that's where they're going to go with it because that's not their target audience. But uh, yeah, so again, I repeat myself. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for joining in. Thank you for all of the action in chat. And uh, I need to I need to do this real quick. Oh, wrong one. Crap. There we go. That's the button I meant to push. Curious what Netflix will do with Avatar. Yeah, that I don't think they're don't don't <laughs> don't hold your breath for the Avatar series. I think you will be sadly disappointed with where they go with that. I think there is a possibility they will do well. I just don't think that uh, it is a strong possibility, especially when you take into consideration that the creators were a part of the development of that series until they had creative differences with Netflix and so they left the project. That is a big, giant red flag that you should walk into that with the lowest of expectations. Um... But yeah, so that's that's. I think that's a story for a different stream, though. I appreciate you guys. Uh, the The live show is going to continue on Wednesdays, uh, unless otherwise stated. So stay tuned to the uh, community tab on the channel. I will try and clip these out on the other short form uh, content uh, platforms and such, so that we can stay active. But the regular show will not be back until January. I am. Elbows deep in a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff right now. And and so if we do have to skip a week on the live show, I will let you know as soon as I can. But as uh, until otherwise stated, I will see you guys next Wednesday. Uh, I do look forward to... I, I don't know what the headlines are going to be. It could be... We could have some major reveal tomorrow, and I won't know about it, and, or we won't be able to talk about it until Wednesday. So uh, stay tuned for all of the stuff I appreciate your faces nerds we will see you in the next one before we go always always remember that if it's generally nerdy it's probably here